Hey, Matthew, are you there? I'm here. Great. Well, uh, welcome. I'm so excited to have you and, and be able to interview you for Entrepreneurs. This is so exciting. Um, so I just want to tell everyone, you know, we're going to be talking about copywriting today, and it's just such an important part of your business, and I talk about it a lot, and your, you know, the content on your website and what you talk about in your newsletters and your pitch letters to stores and, you know, anything, your your catalog sheets that you send out and the letters that you send with those things, all of that, you know, copywriting is telling a story about who you are and your company is. And so it's so important that it really has the right wording. And so I feel really lucky because we have Matthew Goldfarb with us today, and he is an award-winning copywriter and came from um, the corporate world and, you know, has worked with big guys like Ogilvy and & Mather and uh, MVBMS and RGA and um, all these different things. He worked in television commercials with Mr. T and uh, and worked with people like Volvo and Subaru and Dove and Campbell's and, you know, he's been all over the place and he's a superstar. And um, in 2009, he left uh, the corporate world and opened his own corporate renegade copy and he's uh kind of like a one-man copy shop and he um he takes all of his fabulous skills and hard work that he you know garnered and honed in working in corporate america and works with small business owners and entrepreneurs and um he is going to talk us through some cool stuff today so thank you again for being with us oh my um, pleasure thanks thank you for yeah. having me yeah. So I want to just kind of start, like, dive right on in and um, and talk a little bit, you know, about how copywriting affects sales. I mean, that's like everyone's kind of bottom line is what am I going to say to get people to pull out their wallet and buy my product? And, you know, what really differentiates, you know, the the effectiveness of copywriting to, to cause people to do that? Absolutely. It's, it's- that's, it's a great question. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, copies can sometimes be um, almost like the, the the unknown stepchild in advertising. It's like the thing that people always think about afterwards. And and I always like to think of, you know, good copy can kind of almost be like special effects in a movie. So it's like when special effects are done really well, you don't notice them. You know, you just kind of take the narrative and, and everything seems to fall into place. But when it's really bad special effects, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. And and copy can really affect your sales in, in the same way. So in my mind, like, good copy will always set the mood for your business or, or your product. And, you know, if you have a product that you're trying to be a little more playful with the language and, and the target audience that you're trying to do, good copy is going to really help to make that uh, leap for everyone. Um, you know, whether it's kind of using copy to describe the benefits of your product, the features, uh, how it's made or its uses, good copy is really going to be the facilitator to help uh, make people understand why they want their product beyond just the way that the product looks. It's going to really help to, to tell the story. Um, you know, I always say that uh, good copy will always help get consumers on your side. It'll help, help, it kind of helps them to see, like, why they even need to care about your product in the first place. And, you know, good copy will always help people understand, you know, what it is about your product that's unique, what are the benefits, what are the new things, and, and really help them to actually want to make that purchase. Because sometimes if you just put something out there without giving any background information, it might look nice, but that may not be enough to want to make them want to hit purchase. 
do, do you think that um, just like taking in everything that you said, I've been scribbling notes. But do you think that, like, let's say, for example, um, you're, you're like creating website copy for you know because that's everyone has a website, so it's kind of a, a general um, general thing that people have going. So I mean, when you're when you're doing, you know, if you incorporate the benefits, the features, the uses, you know, into your little blurb about your product or something, is there like a formula, you know, like about, I don't know, this just occurred to me, like like a percentage that should be about the benefits, the features versus the uses, or is it just sort of what seems natural to just give the person, a, are you, like are you trying to give them a visual through through your copywriting? To give them, I mean, obviously they're going to have a photo of the product as well, but at the same time, you know, a photo doesn't always speak, you know, as well as the actual, you know, it can't, sometimes it can't speak for the product. It's some photos, sometimes, you know, if they don't have a super great photo, it might look kind of flat or boring or, you know, something like that. But are the words generally used to, to create sort of a more visual, like tantalizing version of the visual? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that make any sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's definitely not a formula. I would never say to somebody, you know, 25% has to be for this and then 10% of that. It, it really is a judgment call based on whoever your audience is, what we think are going to be the things that uh, they're attracted to or they care about. So, like, if you're showing up a product on a site, you know, whatever we think are the number one draws of the product are the things that we want to call out. So, like you said, like, you can't always rely just on an image. So if, say, you're selling a handbag, for instance, and, you know, your customers really care about the materials with how it was made or if it was made with a very green fashion, that, you know, a green way that's eco-friendly, those are the type of things you're going to want to call out and highlight because that's going to help, you know, tell the story of, of the product. You know, if, if people care about the handbag, I'm just going to go with this handbag analogy for the yeah, moment. Yeah, but, sure. You know, if... if if women, if, if the women who are buying the handbags, you know, care about zippers or the pockets and the utility of it, that's going to be stuff that you want to call out. Um, you know, it all depends. If if the dye is made from, you know, from some rare tribe in the Tunisian desert and the money purchased from the product is going to help sustain their village, these are all parts of the story that are going to want to draw out because it's going to help to make your product more attractive. So in many ways, it's going to kind of fill in the gap of what the imagery can't do. And in other ways, it's really just going to be about telling a story of the product. And whether it's the story of the company or it's a story about the specific product, it doesn't really matter per se. It's really, it depends on what you're selling and, and who you're selling it to and, and what they respond to. Does that make sense? Yes, and leads me to another question. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I liked what you were saying about looking at what the most important features are in your product because I don't know I don't know if it's like this for other people. Maybe I'm just unique in this. But sometimes I look at things, and because I know them so well, I can't necessarily see what other people would see as, like, the, you know, number one benefits. Um, and so I, is there are there exercises you know, like if you're working with a client, let's just keep going with the handbag thing. Like if I was a handbag designer working with you, would you have me, would you interview me and ask me what the benefits were? Or would you, do you have like a form that you have people fill out or something that like tells you what the benefits are sort of to kind of structure 
how you do the copywriting. You know, like I'm just thinking like if people are trying to do their own copywriting, like I guess in a sense this could sort of be a formula. Like, you know, I'd say, well, look at, you know, make a list of what the most important attributes of your product are physically and then make a list of what they are, you know, what the benefits are to the people for using it. And then third, you know, then the third thing would be like list all the uses of your product so that you could then use all those words in the copywriting. You know, is there sort of like a dissection of how how that works? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I guess, you know, I, when I when I do, you know, work with clients, I do always have kind of a questionnaire where it does really address all these different aspects from benefits to features to, you know, target audience. And, you know, I, I always hate to pull out like classic marketing and, and advertising terms, but one of the things that I always do try to work with people is, is getting to that kind of unique selling proposition, which is, you know, I, when, when I was working in advertising, quite often you could have a few products that are similar. You know, like if uh, I remember I was working on like an air freshener at one point, and um, we were trying to compare ourselves to the competition, so it was kind of like they had the same sense, they had the same, you know, shelf life, they aerated the same, and it came down to, like, one or two unique things, and I think one of them was, like, the design of the of the air freshener itself. And so because that was the one unique thing that really stood out above everything else, that was what we started to highlight. So what I always try to get people to do is, is if everything if, – if you're – in addition to finding all the great things about your own product, I also encourage people to look at the competition – See what else is out there, and if if you have something that is unique that does stand out, whether it's your own story, you know how the product is made, or just a feature, that's going to be part of of what you would want to do to help sell it, you know, because you want to kind of explain the differences between yourself and and someone else to to differentiate your business and make you kind of stand out in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, because you know every and everyone has something unique and and. Well, it's always funny. I mean, I, I really hate to think back to some of the old work we used to do, but it was like sometimes it was like the thing that would stand out about it was something that you never intended. You know, something like you might do a little funky design on your thing, uh, on, on your product, or use a color or a packaging, and it's sometimes even an afterthought, and sometimes that's what makes your product stand out, which is always like a curious thing. But but really the the one thing I always – try to do, and, and this can be hard for people, I think, especially when you are so close to your own product. Um, I always try to look at whatever it is that I'm selling or creating copy for, um, almost like with an outsider's eye. So I always try to say to myself, if somebody else was selling the product that I had, so if, I was, if I made handbags and I was now trying to market them, I would really, I try to ask myself, how would I, how would if somebody else was selling this product, what would it take for them to sell it to me? So it's kind of like asking yourself, how would you sell to yourself? And if you can start to kind of think about that, you can help to start to craft messages that will actually appeal to people. And I don't know if that makes sense or not. Well, it does, because I think that's kind of harking back to the authenticity of what your product is and why you created it, I guess, in a sense. You know, I think what purpose it served for you to create the product you know, I mean, like go back to the handbag. I mean, a handbag designer, having been one myself, you know, I tended to create things that I needed, you know, and it mm-hmm. was easy for me to sell them because I knew the reasons people would buy them. 
you know, and it wasn't, I wasn't making something that someone told me to do. And when I did, when I did do things that other people told me to do, they weren't successful. Um, so when, so when it's something that really comes from a place of you understanding, like, or you kind of being behind the whole development of it and being able to talk about it from the heart, sounds like that it's going to end up coming across still. Yeah, and 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 I and I love that you said that because going back to the whole concept of how would you sell to yourself is, you know, for me, you know, like I, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially there, there is an emotional attachment to whatever it is that they're selling. Sure. Um, and so if if there is a product, you know, that you've made that you're emotionally connected to, you're going to understand what it is that's appealing about the product. So I think you've you've really hit it straight on that it's like. You know why you made it. You know the utility of it. And, you know, as much as I like to always say, like, you know, each of us is special and we are unique, we're not so special and unique that the things that jump out to us about what's unique about our products, no one else will think of. Well, no one else would either. So it's kind of like if you know what's special about your bag, the odds are other people will agree with that and and probably want to buy it for the same reason. Right. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Um, well, so um, so kind of going along these same lines, I want to talk a little bit about like kind of finding the voice that's right for your target market. Are there, mm-hmm. um, you know, because sometimes you, you know, like one of the things you mentioned before was looking at other people's uh, products that it might be similar to yours, you know, maybe see how they're marketing it or what's similar or different from your product so that you can find what's unique to your product. So once you have all these unique qualities and you know, you know, the reasons, you know, the benefits, the features, and the uses of what you're pushing, like how do, is there, like how do people find their unique voice? You know, it's like every, when you go to different websites, you know, people have a different tone of writing. You know, some are serious, some are funny, some are slapstick. Um, like how do people come, like how do you get to that point? Like when, you, especially like if you're working with someone who is brand new, for example, and they don't really know what their voice is. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and it's one of the and and it can be difficult to answer because it, it it always depends on on where you're starting from. It's almost like that, you know, which came first, the chicken or or, or the egg part? Because you know it, and I think when it comes to products, it's also interesting too because it, it depends a on like you know. Did you create a product first and now you're trying to figure out who the target market is or you have a target market first and then you're trying to create a product for it because depending on where you begin, that's going to affect the way that you, you know, start to create a voice. Um, I think when you're, to me, when you're creating a brand in, in general, and this comes back to the whole authenticity and also just emotional connection, I always tell my clients that they need to really create a voice that's in line with why they started their business in the first place. And I, I kind of I go back to, I, I almost call it the 3 a.m., like, what are you pissed off about kind of <laughs> moment where, you like, like for me, like with my business, it was Corporate Renegade Copy, where I stemmed out of, like, being frustrated with corporate America. And, and if you hear some uh, rustling in the background, that's my uh, Renegade mascot, Gola. So I call it that. <laughs> um, Hi, puppy. He likes to make an appearance, but at least yeah. he's not barking, so that's yeah. good. But um, so, so you know, 
with the business, it, it very much came out of the fact that I wanted to help small business owners and entrepreneurs and, and help them have access to all these things that larger companies did. So I always tell people to really try to tone in on like why you have your business, why you're making the products that you are. And if you can kind of think about why you're doing it, you're almost going to start to tap into what is the voice that you want to do. Because if you are wanting to make handbags for, you know, mothers who need, who don't have like a million hands and need to have like all these little compartments, you're going to start to write in that voice or connect with that type of language because that's who you really are. And when you add the authenticity layer to it, you're essentially just going to be almost attracting people who are very similar to you. And, and it's, you know, it's like a, I almost treat it like a tribe mentality, and I don't know if I'm confusing the waters or, or making sense in terms of how to create a voice. But it, it really, to me, it, it comes in just really trying to connect with who you are and, and why you're starting a business in the first place, and everything really grows out of that. I, I like that. I mean, I like your description of it, and it's it's funny because I mean, I mean, I've had I don't know five businesses or something in my lifetime so far, and some of them I've really found that I have a voice for. You know, that it really resonates with me, and I you know I just kind of speak my speak. You know, mm-hmm. and it just that's the way it translates. And then other businesses, I feel like I've had to kind of. I don't not force it a little bit, but like I don't know, maybe do like more elaborate, you know, like selling products and stuff. For me, I've always found, and maybe it's just the way I speak and the way I think. I don't know. Um, I I feel like I've had to find kind of a different, like I don't know, like it didn't really feel like me. I kind of had to create the persona in a sense because it that's it wasn't like even when I had my handbag company. I love designing the bags and I designed a lot of really beautiful things, but like even my signature bag, which I was the bag that made me famous, I never carried that bag. I never ever owned one. And I did, I owned the very first one I ever made, but I never, um, it just wasn't my style. And I just made, thought it was cute. And, um, and I just made it and it sort of took off on its own so, um, but then the rest of the bags that I did, I carried tons of my own bags all the time, but there were other parts of it that I had to kind of connect to to really find who I was. So it took me a, like a couple, like a year and a half to, to kind of find my voice. And I guess, I mean, that could be natural for any business. <laughs> I not just have been my lame self at the time. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was really flying blind. Um but um, but I definitely didn't have anyone like you to talk to about copywriting <laughs> or finding my voice. I don't even think I knew what that meant back then or even what target market was. Um, I was just like, oh, you want to buy it? Great. Um, I'm just going to find more of you, whoever you are. <laughs> um, but and it's and it's always hard too. I, and and I appreciate you sharing that because it's 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 a fine balance between everything, right? Because we are in business, so. We, we do have to find a way to promote what it is that we're selling and, and language that's going to motivate people. But at the same time, we want it to be in a way that works with us and doesn't feel like we're, you know, like, you know, grinding our teeth against a chalkboard to get there. Like it doesn't, sure. you know, we don't want it to be a, a brutal process. And so there's, there's always that fine line of like, you know, how do you promote something so that it sounds good and it's in line with who you are, but, you know, but also that you're going to, urge people to go in and, and buy it. And um, and that's, but I think, 
to me, when you're when the things are easy and it's easy to sell and it's fine, and there she is. Um, when it's fine, that that to me is how you know that you are working from a brand or a voice that's right for you. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, well, speaking of working with voices, <laughs> hi, Cola. Um, <laughs> Um, I know that you work with people, um, you know, help them create content for their Facebook and Twitter, you know, and Mm -hmm. and work with them to, you know, to keep their voice going on social media. And I wanted to to see if if there's, like, if if there's any special tips you can give people on, you know, sort of how to, to take your voice and, you know, get it into 140 characters. Or you know, or some smaller post for Facebook, or or just you know, like any kind of um, copywriting tips for social media. Sure. So I mean, one of the things that I, I am key on is is consistency. So feeling that the same person who, you know, the same voice you find on somebody's website will be the same voice you get in an email or on Facebook or Twitter, because it's like there's nothing more jarring than to read an email by someone and then go to the website and it feels like it was written by someone else. Like just something, something feels very disconnected when, when that happens. Sure. Um, and then obviously, you know, Facebook, you have a lot more room to kind of tell your story than you do in Twitter. And, you know, I guess it, it always just, I mean, it depends on what the product is, what the purpose of the product is and, and what you're trying to do. So, you know, on Facebook, I, I always do try to tell the people, and this is why I always, you know, once you can get really in line with what your voice is, it's a lot easier. So Facebook posts, I often tell clients to use either to announce a new product that they have, like especially if you have, like, an audience already. Um, you know, it can, be, it can be anything from a short blurb or paragraph to, like, a full-on blog post. Um, I often use Facebook and Twitter to promote, like, if I have a newsletter coming out or a blog post coming out um, or something new on the website, I always use those places to kind of tease. And because in Twitter you only have 140 characters, you're not going to be able to get too clever. So I often tell people to either just almost be as blatant to be like, hey, I have a new handbag, check it out here. Or if they can come up with something a little clever to kind of whet somebody's appetite, kind of like a teasing headline, they can also use Twitter in, in, that, in that way. Um, I know I'm getting a little off topic on it. Uh, what I also tell people with Twitter to use it for is it, it's a really great way to kind of build a following. And this is a, there's this function, I don't know if you use Twitter, and it's like, uh, I think it's like search.twitter.com. And, yep. if you, and so if you go to that, like, that's a great way to find out what people are searching for. So if, if like I said, if you want to do handbags, you can go to that and type in handbags and see the type of tweets people have. And you can start to write tweets in that vein. And what will happen is people will actually start to follow you because they'll realize that you're a person who's going to be talking about the things that they want to hear about. Um, I always, every time I write a tweet about something that is not what I normally talk about, I always get like five or six followers. Like anytime I get a new, like I'm a big Apple aficionado, like every time I, I got a new phone and I talked about it for a day, I got like 15 new followers just because people were looking for people talking about what I was talking about. So it's so it's like it's it's just kind of a nice way to kind of build interest. And I, I feel like I may not have exactly answered the question, but um, to me, both Facebook and, and the social media is just an extension of what you're doing. And I and I think it's just it's it's really just about keeping the same voice and flavor of your way 
the whole way through it. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like the the basics. The basics <laughs> is make sure that your voice stays the same no matter what you're writing. I mean, in general, you know, from your like you said, from your emails to your web content to your social media posts, blog posts, all that stuff has to sound. You know, whether it's you writing it, whether it's the person writing it, or or a copywriter like you, it has to be consistent so that the brand is consistent and then the voices yeah yeah because pe- people have gotten so sophisticated um you know and and it's you know people it's like when when you're when something's a little off or the language has changed people pick up on it very quickly and it's 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 actually kind of crazy like so it's the consistency is key and then you know for anyone who would hire a copywriter one of the things is to make sure that they get they get your voice, that they learn how to write like you do so that it feels like it is you. Like, that's one of the things I always try to do. It's almost like almost like channeling in a way. You have to really get into the headspace of the people that you're working for. Right. Yeah. Oh, so much to think about. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, okay, you've got to start making lists. Does this sound the same? Does this sound, is this the right voice? I mean, but I, it's, I see how, I mean, it is, so important and obviously I mean I'm aware of it and I know it but sometimes you know even when you're just responding to emails as a business person like we in in my product company in Simply Sarah we have a bunch of canned responses you know like for exchanges or returns or things like that 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 I wrote because I'm the voice of the company and you know my my staff has those templates in their email, so the people who respond to customer service or whatever they just cut and paste you know and stick change the name and give them a different return number or whatever, and then send the letter off so that it's all so they things are consistent and they're not you know stumbling or misspelling something or writing something that doesn't sound like it came from the company so um that could be a good idea for people to do too. Um, is to have, you know, sort of these templates that they use or that their staff can use for things too, right? Oh, I think that's awesome. I mean, yeah. there there's nothing better, like, because, you know, the people spend so little money in, like, customer service and, and they think that those things aren't important, but that's that's really where you keep customers because, you know, yes, yes, your website's very important and the language is good, but it's like, it's all about that whole experience with people, and it's like if it if it stays consistent throughout the whole thing, people are like, "Wow, this is a very genuine company," and and they have personality too. So it's like if you, you know, I I try to put humor even into like autoresponders and stuff. You know, like even if it's something as, as simple as like, "Hey, renegade," you know, "Thanks for tuning in," like as opposed to like language that was automated by some shopping cart software. Right. right like, of so. Course. Because those are the little things that people really feel connected to you, and they feel like there's a real person on the other end, and it and it helps you know really breed connection in my mind. So I, I love that idea. Um, well, this is I mean I I love the quote of yours that I I wrote this quote down from something I read um, of yours. A satisfied client will tell three people in their social circle about you. A dissatisfied one will tell thirty, and then post about it on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> And I mean, it is so true. I mean, I, um, you know, sometimes I do customer service on my own website, and not that often um, for Simply Sarah. But sometimes, like if my assistant's not in or something like that, or mm. too busy, I'll respond to something, or it might be something they pass on to me. They're just not sure how to respond to. 
And I have a pen name of Lucy because I never respond as myself to customer service. I just created a new employee called Lucy. And I've been Lucy for like 13 years on all my different companies. And it's just easy for me to remember. And Lucy gets, you know, she gets like letters from people saying, I want to tell your boss, you know, can you, can I send an email to, can I send an email to Sarah telling her that you've been so great and helping me and you've got the best customer service ever, you know, and I just write back, oh, that'd be so nice, you know, and, and it's, and I, and it's true. I mean, I'm genuine in it, you know, and, but I created this persona because people sometimes feel uncomfortable talking to the owner, you know, especially the designer or something if they have a complaint about the product and it's much Mm. easier to talk to an employee than it is you know for them to talk to me or whoever the designer of a company is and so I find you know that doing that myself sometimes you know if there's a a real trouble troubled person who's very upset or their package got lost or it didn't get there on time you know sometimes UPS loses the package I mean we can't control that but, mm-hmm. you know, you still want to, as the owner of the company, I can make the decisions, you know, of how to respond. And um, and so Lucy <laughs> Lucy takes over in the in the copywriting, essentially. Um, but um, and and so I I totally understand about satisfying customers. <laughs> I love that. That's I guess I guess Lucy deserves a, a raise at this point after thirteen yeah, Lucy years. Lucy deserves a big raise <laughs> and, a, and a vacation. Yeah, exactly. Um, funny. But, but, you know, it's it's really true because one of, you know, it's funny, the most powerful thing that I find, you know, with work and, and my business is actually just if you take responsibility for a mistake, you know, and especially like if somebody is upset and they send you an email saying that they're upset, taking the time to write a real human response with personality will actually gain you more of a loyalty following than just having everything go right every time. And it's, it's like very counterintuitive, but it's one of these weird fundamental things about business. And so that, that, that quote about like someone liking you will tell a few people, but if you piss someone off, that's, you know, that can be really bad for your company. And you see how things backfire. I mean, if you look at Apple with the whole phone thing, they, they played it off and they didn't really pay respect to people who were upset and it kind of blew up in their face. It sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, that was a shocker, actually. But um, beside the point, um, I yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, giving people, I mean, you know, it kind of boils down to the customer is always right, and how are you going to spin it and make them feel satisfied? And so both of you come out a winner. You may be having to give them something for free, but they're going to come back. They're going to say you gave excellent customer service, and they're going to tell a friend and tell a friend or tell 30 and post about it on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> um and say how awesome you are, too, because I think it worked that way, too. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. So I wanted to just touch on um, one other um, point and don't want to take up your whole entire day. Um, so, you know, as a product-based person, you know, we obviously, well, service-based people, too, but we send newsletters out and talk about, you know, send pictures of our products and talk about the product, um, you know, in various different ways. And, you know, I, I tend, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it, um, you know, and what you have found, you know, working with your clients over the years sort of results in the most effective sales campaign. You know, is it, you know, mostly photo, little bit of words, 50, you know, um, one big picture, and, you know, is it better for the whole thing's above the fold when it opens? You know, do you 
think people tend to scroll down and read more if there's compelling copy. You know, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of leave it up to you for some of your thoughts. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's another one of these things that, unfortunately, I can never say to someone it's, it's an exact science. Um, you know, I, I think it, it depends, obviously, on, on what it is that you're selling and and what it is that people are going to be drawn to. So if, if you're selling a product and its sales will be based on the aesthetics of it, obviously that's going to be a very big, important part of your newsletter. And that might mean investing in getting good pictures taken from multiple angles so you can show it off. Um, and sometimes you may not have that, and that's where the copy is going to do some heavy lifting for you. So to me, I really think you're going to want to have both. You're going to want to have imagery, especially if you're selling something new or you want to show off something, but you also want copy to help fill in the gaps on what the images can't do. So if you have a new, we're all about handbags today. So if you have a handbag and you're, you're talking about this new handbag that's awesome because it's, you know, made from a local factory and it's using, you know, sustainable materials, you're not going to be able to show that all in a picture. So you're going to need to have a blurb that kind of pays homage to it. And, you know, you may not put everything about that product in the newsletter, but just enough to really whet somebody's appetite. You know, it's kind of like you can treat it as a teaser um, and try to get them to come to your website or to come to a special page. It's really, it, it all depends on, on what you're trying to do. I mean, in terms of like whenever I have a, a launch, you're really trying to do it from like a multi-tiered place. So you're going you're gonna to send it to your, your list in an email campaign. You're going to promote it on the website. You might use affiliates. You're going to talk about it in the newsletter. So there's really no set path. It's just kind of like how much information do you want to give out about something? Because sometimes you just want to whet their appetite. Um, you have like the key points of, you know, what the best features are or whatever you feel like are going to be the most attractive to get them to click. Right, right. And and it may not even be the thing that, you know, some, and this comes back to that whole like unique selling proposition because you might have this great new product that has 15 amazing attributes, but you're not going to put 15 attributes in, in, a, in a short blurb about it. So you may have to pick one or two and then lead them somewhere where they can find out the rest of the information. Right. Right, right, right. And and oh. how, how um, I mean, I know subject lines are like, you know, super, super, super important, um, you know, to get people to open the um the email from the from the beginning, <laughs> but um, but do you like do you feel like subject because that's like one of the things I have the most trouble with <laughs> um, is do you think that like the best subject lines, I mean, is there a rule of thumb? What am I trying to say that they have something to actually like always have something to do with the content, or is it sometimes just sort of the shock value of the subject line to get people to open the email to see? Oh my God! What's this about? Or is it like a you know? Picture? I mean, it's it's a fine line because you know people have gotten so sophisticated now that whenever somebody tries to be shocking or tries to have a contrived headline, it can often backfire. You know, it's like when a marketer will be like, "I've been withholding the secret from you," and it's like it's obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and it's it's like you know, and and it it drives me crazy because it doesn't feel very authentic. My newsletters are usually about my feature article, so I'm always writing. You know, I'm always writing about copy, right? So, right. I and and I always try to think of a headline that's just 
an interesting, it's almost like a conversation starter. Um, so it's like really, it comes to that way. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it comes back to that whole notion of, like, how would I sell something to myself? So, you know, can you think of a subject header that if you saw would make you want to open it, and if the answer is, you know, no, or this is, like, I would erase it, then don't put it there because right. everyone else would probably erase it, too. It so, yeah. So, like, I think my last newsletter, I think I wrote an article about writing copy that was interesting to you, and that was, that was the subject head. And so people who, you know, want to know about copy are going to see that and hopefully want to click on it. And if they don't care, then, then they won't. But at least it was, like, a conversation starter. It was one of those things that, like, somebody, if they were trying to get your attention on the street, would make you want to go, huh? And then, and like, want you to learn a little bit more. Right. I like that but. conversation starter down for myself. <laughs> I mean, because I really get, I mean, that's like the one thing I really get stumped on um, in my copywriting is this is the subject lines of my emails and find, uh, you know, that that's really where I, I tend, I, sometimes I feel like that's where I have to put the most thought because blog posts are pretty easy for me to write. Um, and uh, especially now that I have read more of your copy secrets to help you stand out, <laughs> which everyone's going to get for free. Um, well, I, I want to tell people about your awesome offer, and um, and thank you so much for um, for spending this time with me. So Matthew has generously offered to give away his five copy secrets to help you stand out, and it's this really great little booklet that you can he's going to email to you, and um, he set up a special page just for you all. And I'm going to put that in the blog post, um, so make sure you, you know, scroll down and see that. And it really, um, plus he's going to give you 20 minutes um, on the phone, and he'd be happy to look at your copy, some copy that you've written, and give you some comments. Um, will you tell him? What else do you do in your 20 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really whatever the person needs. Because, I mean, you know, it's interesting to have you say, um, I just lost my train of thought, you know, Oh, you said that you feel more comfort writing about from a blog than a newsletter, but my, my essential goal is just to make people feel comfortable writing in general. So sure. whether it's taking 10 minutes to just talk about how to find that voice for your business, or if you want, I, you can ask, show me a headline and say what works and what doesn't. You know, it, it's really just about taking the fear out of writing because it, it doesn't have to be something that keeps you up at night and freaks the hell out of you. It, it, it can actually be a lot of fun and to me, I mean, I'm a word dork, but there's a sense of joy coming from feeling able to communicate the way that you want to. So, you know, I invite everyone to really just, you know, send an email and, and we'll have a 20-minute chat and, and find out what's keeping you from writing the best possible words to describe your business or product. Awesome. That is so generous of you. Um, I really appreciate it. And Matthew, thank you so much for spending this time with me. And um, I'm so excited to have my five secrets. I've already read it twice. And <laughs> and tomorrow I'm going to be writing a blog post. I'm actually taking the day off, but um, but I'm going to be writing. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to, to put some of your tips and tricks to work. So uh, thank you again, and um, I will talk to you soon. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks. This was uh, a lot of fun. Oh, good. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.